Hey there, it's your host, Will Payne Harrison. I wanted to talk to you today about my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Harrison. This podcast is a free podcast, and I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Uh, thank you so much for the kind uh, words, the ratings. Thank you for subscribing and sharing with your friends. All those things mean a lot. This is a free podcast, and by no means are you obligated to give me any money at all. However, if you like what you hear and you want to support what's what's going on, uh, all of the man hours that go into the editing, into uh, actually paying to have a host site for this uh, platform, all these things uh, are done just because I love talking to these songwriters and I love getting that information out to you so you can hear about their new projects and uh, what's going on in the world of songwriting in Nashville and Louisiana and Kentucky. Um, and I really, really am a fan of all these people, and I hope that you become a fan as well. If you'd like to help continue to make this a viable thing, then uh, consider donating today to my uh, Patreon page, patreon.com slash Harrison. All right, here we go. Hey everyone, it's the Americana Station Podcast. I'm your host, Will Payne Harrison. So glad to be here today to uh, tell you a little bit about uh, my new friend, Callie McCullough. She's a great artist who's released a couple of new singles. She's putting an EP out uh, in the spring next year. And ahead of those that EP, she's released $5 Pearls recently. And uh, this week, she released a new single, Feathers, with a really sweet fiddle part. Um, she's got an incredible crew of musicians on her album. She has some people from um, Alison Krauss's Union Station Band as well as uh, some of the guys from the Time Jumpers. So don't sleep on those singles. It's really good stuff. Um, it, it's been a few months since we did this interview, and uh, Callie has been on the road. She's been uh, promoting her new music. She was up in Canada and has, she came down and, uh, we did a gig together at the basement with, uh, Mallory Johnson for her single for $5 pearls, as well as my album. Uh, and I had my band, which was great. Um, let's see what's been going on with me. I, uh, I just did red barn radio up in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky with my band, which was really exciting. That was a lot of fun. It'll be syndicated, so you can check it out on uh, your local NPR. It should be coming out, I think, this upcoming week. There should be some videos online shortly as well. Um, been kind of uh, getting a little quiet here towards the end of the year. Uh, it's been a long, busy time, so we're, we're trying to slow down until next year. I have some plans to do some touring uh, with some friends. Miss um, Lauren Pratt, who has uh, a new album out, will be doing some... Uh, Winter dates, uh, and then hopefully in the spring I'll be doing some stuff with my friend Veronica Stanton as well, who should be on the podcast shortly. I do have Mercy Bell coming up. She just released her new record. It's available online. Be sure you check that out. It's fantastic. I've been listening to it, and it just sounds great. Um, she, she'll be on the podcast uh, with her writing partner um, next, which will be in the next few weeks, as soon as I can get that edited and put up. And... Um, we're going to have another uh, uh, off-the-rails episode uh, with someone who's not a singer-songwriter, but is really important in the music industry, uh, Anna Lee. We're working out 
uh, from WMOT, where, and she also used to work uh, for uh, Lightning 100 here in Nashville. She's um, just a great, uh, amazing, not only music fan, but just like she's just really a good person who really cares about the music and and um, seeing uh, people work their way up. And she's really all about supporting uh, local music. And she's doing great things with WMOT, um, uh, doing the live at the local. And um, she's just a DJ on WMOT, killing it. She's been playing a lot of really good up-and-coming music. And um, we'll be talking about her music career and just getting a little off the rails from the regular thing uh, here towards the end of the year. Also, I'm doing a uh, Folk Yeah Festival again this year down in Orlando um, that Mike Dunn puts on. Um, I'm really excited about this. Uh, we're doing a duet, me and Stephen Dunn, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really good, and ho- I'm hoping to snag some interviews from Folk Yeah uh, while we're down there. Um, there's, a, there's a few cool people that are coming down as well as all the Orlando guys that uh, you need to hear about. So we'll put that in the pipeline and hopefully get some uh, podcasts out of it in November. And so in, we'll be looking in December to uh, have some of that. All right, let's talk about Callie McCullough. Modern songwriter inspired by timeless bluegrass and old-school country music, Callie McCullough has chased her unique muse for years, making contemporary roots music that nods to legends who came before her. It's a sound anchored by intimate ballads and McCullough's gorgeous voice, whose Alison Krauss-worthy tone and Dolly Parton-sized beauty stand in contrast to her dry humor and larger-than-life personality. With 2019's After Midnight, McCullough makes her debut as a solo artist. The six-song record was tracked in her adopted hometown of Nashville, where she resettled after spending nearly a decade on the road with other projects. Emotional and eclectic, After Midnight also features first-class picking from members of the Grammy-winning bluegrass band Union Station and western swing group The Time Jumpers. The result is a collaborative and intimate EP that laces McCullough's voice with touches of dobro, fiddle, mandolin, banjo, and acoustic guitar, mixing the fresh energy of a rising star with the finesse of a hotshot backing band. Let's talk to Callie McCullough. Hey everyone, welcome to Americana Station. Um, today on the podcast, I have, I'm going to say your last name wrong, Callie McCullough? You got it right. It's really? Callie, Ma- Callie McCullough. Okay, yeah. cool. Is that uh, I Irish? I think like originally it was like, you know, you're in Scotland, then you run from the English to Ireland, then you run to Canada. Okay. But I, so one of those. So you're Canadian? Yes. Now. I'm, well, Canadian, trying to be American. <laughs> trying to be American, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm from Louisiana and uh the uh 
the Acadians got uh, chased out of that region and down to Louisiana. So no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely the whatever the the Gaelic heritage is with the pale skin and the sunburns. That's right. where I came from. Yeah. So tell me, how long have you been in Nashville, and what part of uh, Canada are you originally from? So moved here probably about five and a half years ago. Okay. So it's been a hot minute, and originally from Ontario, just right above Michigan. Okay. A little town called Stratford, Ontario, also the home of the Shakespearean Theater, and also the home of Justin Bieber. So nice. So yeah. So quite a little hotbed for like arty artist kind of things but we actually grew up on a farm sort of right in the middle of nowhere like population 18 people and you're related to 12 of them wow so <laughs> we moved to the city of 30,000 people when I was like 17 stayed there until I was touring full-time and then I hopped over here so you were touring full-time at 18 um I started I was in a few bands, so I was in a band with my mom. We started like a bluegrass kind of band when I was about 16, and we just started zipping all over North America and the States, and then I joined another band and ran off to Europe with them after I graduated college, which is like every parent's dream, right. send your naive child to Europe. Um, then we were touring in California, and then I was like, all right, I want to do my own thing. I want to make my own music, and so I just loaded up my car full of stuff and drove here and didn't leave. <laughs> So what uh, what really got you into bluegrass? Was it your mom? Was it your family? Or well, I really came up more on like traditional country music and folk music. There's not a lot of bluegrass music in Canada, right? Um, but I really loved like the roots of that stuff. And I started coming to Nashville when I was about 17, and I started to get like further and further into it, and like realized I'm like, oh, like this is the roots of the music that I really love. Um, yeah. so I started going out to these old bluegrass jams and I was like the only person under the age of 50. Right. Um, and I just loved it. So I, I'm still kind of like bordering on that edge of like bluegrass country somewhere in that, in that middle right. ground. Yeah. Americana. Yeah, yeah. Americana. Roots, whatever. So can you flat pick? Is that? No, you know, I'm not, I wish, I wish I was like a shredder, like a Sierra yeah. Hall kind of girl, but I'm more I'm more of a singer, like a ballad singer, and I, you know I play guitar to make that come to life. Right. I wish that I was a shredder, but and you got some shredders on your album, though. I definitely do. Yeah. yeah there's enough of them. There's so many great players in town that I was just like, let's just bring in the bank guns this time because I can't do this. How did you uh, hook up? So you hooked up with some of the members of the Time Jumpers and uh, Union Station on yes. your your new EP. Um. So. I had been working uh, with producer Dustin Olian, who's a young guy in town. He's worked on some cool Americana stuff that's up and coming. And we started talking. We've been doing demos. We started talking about starting to do a record. And I was just like, I want it to be different. I want it to be rootsy. And he was like, I think we call all of our heroes, put them in a room and see what happens. Yeah. And we did. And they all said yes. And we were totally flabbergasted. And it was amazing. Isn't that crazy? Because, um, yeah, when I was uh, in the studio uh, or going in the studio, I just happened to run into Fats Kaplan, who plays with John Prine and yeah. he's played with uh, Jack White. And uh, he's friends with several of my friends. And I was just like, hey, I'm going in the studio. I really need some pedal steel. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, really? That You're like, so really? Easy. This is happening? Yeah. You know, and then I'm just in the studio being like, Oh my goodness, everybody right. really cool is here and it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was awesome. Um they're just super super kind people that like 
were willing to give the time of day to somebody they'd never heard of and very sweet and complimentary and Jeff Taylor from the Time Jumpers is we've been in touch and he's been super kind and you know it's just super a huge honor to have people like that play with you and and like your music and compliment it and you know help right. bring it to life it's crazy um so when you you said you just got them all in a room and recorded together was it all live kind of live to tape no well we used um we used a tracking room for okay. one of our big bigger session days because we wanted all the iso booths when you get into all those acoustic yes. instruments um and we ended up getting brent burke from ronda vincent's band who does this crazy like dobro shredding solo on one of the tunes and it was just this really it was like one of those transcending days, right? Where yeah. you're just like, this is happening. <laughs> did you get to play live with them? I didn't play on the record, actually. Oh, okay. I, 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 did all, I did all the singing, obviously, but we just kind of wanted to see what they would all bring to the table and took it from there. That's awesome. Um, what kind of guitar? You, you have your guitar right here. Yeah, this is a bourgeois. I bought oh, this. Oh, yes. That's yeah. what I play. Is it? Hell yeah. Yeah, I is bought this. Is it a banjo killer? It's an OM. It's oh, an OM okay. country boy. Um, and my uncle had bought one when I was about 20. And I kind of, I was looking for a new guitar at the time. And I loved his. So he had bought it at the 12th fret in Toronto in Canada. Yeah. And so him and I went down for a day. And I spent a day like trying to him and haw between buying a Collings and buying a Bourgeois. So this has been my road guitar for years and years. So I can That's never awesome. sell it. It's got too, oh, yeah. it's got too many crazy memories. Too many miles. Yeah. So it's, it's a good one. It's a good uh, old girl. Yeah. I have the, um, slope D, um, oh, okay. that I, uh, bought at Carter vintage here in town nice. and it, I just fell in love with it. It was amazing. And, uh, I was playing it in a video, uh, with a friend of mine and, uh, this guy, uh, sends him a, a DM and is like, "Hey, I think that's my guitar." He's like, "Is no?" The, he, he's like, uh, "Is the sticker from the uh, bourgeois coming off inside?" He's like, "Yeah, it is." That's and it turned out so that, funny. Uh, it was actually his guitar originally, but he sold it to Carter. Oh, that's funny. I know Carter's got the greatest gems in there. You just like yeah. sometimes you can go in and find like a cheap guitar that's really old. That's really cool. I'm always in there, but then I'll fall in love with a guitar that's like seven grand and i'm like okay yep, time to go yep. home <laughs> they do have a bourgeois uh, om right now that's uh completely mahogany that uh, i played it and i was like okay i need to leave right now yeah the bourgeois folks they're really nice guys too i met them at the nam show one year they're super lovely people yeah, yeah just so that is awesome i'm so excited that you have a bourgeois <laughs> um, there, there's not a lot of us yeah i know i know and people don't know that much about them but what i like about them more than collings is that uh they are all individually handmade there is no like uh factory yeah. they really they line. really take their time with them and they do a good job and i'll probably buy another one soon like yeah. ha i like to have a few of them on stage for all those wacky tunings right but yeah so money. what kind of tunings do you do do a lot of dad gad okay. sometimes a lot of dad gad yeah. and and just you know, every song's a new movie. I was writing with my friend Scotty Kipfer that I wrote a lot of stuff with on this record is really into wacky tuning. So we'll come out with a song and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm learning a new tuning today. Right. Yeah. So, but it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a few, I do, I like open D, but yep. mostly uh, I'm in standard and uh, it's really hard whenever you really only want to bring one guitar on the road to, 
to play in so many open tunings because you know you're going to pop a string on the stage as soon as you... That's the fun part of being yeah. a songwriter, right? Even if you're playing a writing round, you're like, <laughs> well, this was a good idea in theory, but now I have five songs and five tunings. Right. Bear yeah. with me, folks. Let me tell some weird jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the move anyway, right? Just tell some jokes while you... Uh, just, just say tune. some weird things. That's, that's always good, too. Uh, this is really random, but the time that I was playing that uh, OM Bourgeois at uh, Carter was the day I met uh, James Taylor. He was buying a guitar. No. Yeah, he was behind me in line. So that was yeah, an exciting day. That would be a good day. Did you meet him? Did you say hey? I did. Yeah, I got a picture with him and everything. Good for yeah. you. I know sometimes when you run into people that you're really in awe of, you're like, I don't know. I don't want to say hi to them and make them think I'm weird, but I also really want to say yeah. hi to them. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. I work at a coffee shop in town and, and so many famous people come in. Sometimes I don't even know who they are, but uh, Hunter Hayes is in the shop like all, the, all time. the time to the point that he knows me by name. And Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing with Nashville, though, is it's not, you know, it's not like a star chasing culture. I yeah. think among musicians anyway, we're all just like, hey, what's up? Friend? It's a job. Yeah. Totally. You know, we're all just people, which is it's nice that it's very down to earth here. So you've been touring since you were 18 ish. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I started just young. I just grew up backstage and I, I just was in it the whole time. And, you know, I, I went out and started playing my own shows when I was about 14. And then my mom and I put our act together and we, we traveled quite a lot. And, you know, I just, the last few years, honestly, I've been more stationary than ever before. Yeah. Um, just kind of sticking my nose into the Nashville scene and trying to really dig in here and figure out how to pay the rent. But I think we're about to do like the next push of touring. And oh, yeah. I, I'm excited about it. So do you have any standout gigs that uh, you've had in your career? Uh, we've played one of my favorite gigs was this festival in Vienna, Austria. Um, I think it was called like I can't pronounce it right. I want to say it was like Donald Unsel Fest or you can't pronounce yeah. it. Um, but one of the funniest things I found about the gig, and that was with a band I was touring with over there, was that it was just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of line dancers. And then like people were dressed up as like sheriffs and things. And it was a hundred degrees and they're wearing like leather jackets and I'm like wearing short shorts being like, aren't you dying? <laughs> But it was just a really, it was like, you know, a couple million people at the festival. It was huge. Wow. So, so that was a really fun gig. And then sometimes the best gigs are just the gigs where there's like 40 people that really care what yes. you're doing. Sometimes that's the best. Oh, if I ever get to a, a theater venue and it's like a 60 cap venue, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, it's this is going to be, be good. It's true. It's true. Um, so you said you've kind of been stationary, just writing songs and getting ready for this album to drop. Um, yeah. Do you, you have a songwriting partner uh, specifically well, or do you co-write with a lot of people? You time? know, when I first got here, I actually was had never been a solo artist. And I thought, OK, I'm just going to learn how to be a better writer. Yeah. And so I wrote with everybody and for everybody and everything under the sun and then slowly but surely kind of found my people and the songs started coming out I was like okay these songs are me and and that's how the record kind of came together yeah I never really set out to be like I need to make a record but at, at some point there was a collection of songs that just fit together that I was really in love with but this whole record I wrote 
with two people specifically, not on purpose, but those were just the songs that we loved. So my buddy, Scotty Kipfer, who's actually from Canada as well, splits his time here and back. Um, and he's got really like traditional country roots, which I love. So we've written a lot. And then our other friend, Ryan Sorstad, who's originally from Baltimore, um, but is a country writer in town here as well. And, you know, I think they just understood who I was as a person as well as an artist. And those songs just came to life really quickly. And now we write all the time. You know, I think going into this record, I was like, okay, we have five songs. We've got to get one song that's up tempo because these are all ballads, which I love. Yeah. Let's get one. And I, so I called up Ryan like the week before the album we were going into cut and I was like, we got to write a song and it's got to be up tempo. <laughs> Let's get it done. You know, and then you have those people that you can count on and you can, right. you can come up with something on the fly. So it's awesome. Are you working, uh, through a publisher? Are you, do, are you doing it on your own? I'm on my own right now. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we'd love to get hooked up with the right people if they, if they fall into play, but you know, the fighting spirit of the independent musician oh, is yeah, just willing to wait for the right thing or do it yourself. Totally. Yeah. And I think that this is, that's the culture right now is like, don't go looking for a record label. Wait till they come knocking on your door. Just do what you do, you know? And, uh, cause you know, you, you're not going to be making any more money <laughs> with a, with a record label, you know? So. Uh, yeah. I think it's my whole memo is I've never really cared what's selling and what people like. Yeah. I care what I like Yeah, and how to honor that and bring that to life. And let's hope that other people like it so I can pay the rent. That would be awesome. Yeah. But you know, just bringing the music to life and letting it, letting it find its audience and, and just going down that path rather than like what the who's who yeah, are directing you towards. I don't, I don't even know what's going on in that movie. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a songwriter first or an artist first? I, I, it depends, Equally. you know, a, a little bit of both, you know, every day is a new day. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get those two weeks where you just get to write. And then right now, the last couple of weeks have just been press and prep. And so I feel like I've been in full on artist mode for the last little while. And I would love to hide in a writing room for a minute. But yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to, to get this out there. Yeah, I, I'm actually in the same boat. My uh, album releases next month. And so Yay. I've been doing a lot of uh, press and, and promo and stuff. And uh, it's it's exhausting because it's a whole different part of your brain. And, and there's the, the songwriter side of you, the creative side of you just is like craving to write something. But uh, you have to be very like um, use your more analytical side and you're more like, you know, you're trying to market and promote yourself, you know, so you got you to gotta do that part. I think for me too, the digital platforms are, you know, all yeah. of a sudden you're in 30 digital stores and you're trying to like update profiles and all of so them. So many. Like I'm not, I don't, I barely know how to use a computer, you yeah. know? Um, and then, you right. know, the other part of being in artist mode is obviously I love talking and we have things to say. We're musicians, we're yeah. songwriters, we have a voice, but I have very little filter. So I'm, I'm always afraid that I'm just gonna say something very stupid. Right. Right. That your mom will not approve. Yeah. Of. My, my family does not approve of swearing on a microphone. So we'll, we'll see. Just, we'll, just well, hopefully I can make them proud. <laughs> yeah. Just on a microphone. Oh, Otherwise okay. you're fine. Yeah. That's, that's understandable. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My uh, mom doesn't like that either. <laughs> well, our mothers just want us to be good people and they've done their best. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
the whole like I didn't raise you that way. Okay, mom, <laughs> calm down. My parents are pretty cool. I mean, both of my parents were full time musicians for years, so there's pretty much nothing that they haven't seen and lived through. So there was no pulling anything over on them as a teenager. Are they still um, on the road at all, or have they kind of retired? They're from both now? like they're both um, they're separated now, but. They're both semi-retired and just kind of playing original music with their friends for fun at this point. But which it's, you know, I think if you can still be playing music and be loving it, you know, once you're retired, like that's a dream, right? You still yeah. love it. You're still doing it. You're still having fun. You're retired in a house that's paid for. Yeah. Like you got it, you know? Yeah. You only got to play when you want to. Yeah. So uh, what does songwriting look like for you? Is it a daily practice or a weekly practice? Um, Is it something that you continually do on your own, even if you're not, uh, if you don't have co-writes lined up? I think it's all of the above. (laughs) Yeah. I think when I first got to town, and I'd been writing since I was about 14, you know, I was like making up weird little poems and then, you know, making up guitar parts for them. But... I really tried when I got to Nashville to write the quote unquote Nashville way. Ah. And so I did, you know, double rights five days a week and the factory mentality of making songs, which I understand why it's there, Yeah, but I don't subscribe to it anymore. Did you get any cuts with those five days a week, 13 different writers? You know, I've got a couple indie cuts, but they're yeah. more artist friends of mine. Uh, yeah. My buddy Chris Canterbury uh, cut one of our songs, and he's a badass. He's awesome. I just yeah. cursed on the microphone. Um, Sorry, Mom. And my buddy Scotty cut one of our tunes as well. Um, but I was not chasing the big cuts. I was just trying to get better. Right, yeah. You know, so I think now it's more when the inspiration hits, assuming I'm not in the middle of something, I like to go tuck myself away in my office in my house and just try and get it down and try and bring it to life. But I've been doing a lot of middle of the night writing by myself and hotel room tour writing. And and then, you know, if you can't quite bring it to life, you call up one of your buddies and be like, hey, I have this thing. Can you help me with it? Yeah. But kind of all over the map and a little less writing right now just with all of the all of the launch stuff. But anything it has to feel organic and it has to feel real you know i don't want to like just go force a song out because yeah if there's even like one line where i'm just like you know (laughs) then i'm I'm not going to play it out so it it's really hard for me to uh half-ass a song so sometimes oops i cursed on the mic too uh so it's like very hard to uh yeah it's hard it's hard for me to when I co-write actually use the songs myself, but I, I, mm-hmm. I have in the past. And, um, one of, uh, my favorite <laughs> stories about co-writing is I was co-writing with this group of people and we thought we did a pretty good song. We, the demo happened. They passed it on to the Oak Ridge boys who turned it down. No. Uh, Cause they said it was a little too hokey for them. I'm like, you're the Oak Ridge boys. <laughs> but, um, then that same group uh, had another right that they invited me to that I couldn't make because of uh, previous engagement. And then that song actually got picked up by Aaron Lewis, who's no like, kidding. Uh, you know, he used to be in Stained and now he's like trying to do the country thing. So, That's you awesome. know, it, it's funny because like even if you are like doing the like, oh, writing and trying to do it right, mm-hmm. you, it, right place, right time. It's not necessarily, you know, it's th- 
it's the student of chaos theory, right? And I'm one of those people that thinks that things fall where they're supposed to. Yeah. You know, we're over here freaking out about how things are going to work out, but they're just going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can't predict it, you know? You know, it's it's tough, I guess. And I say this, you know, not not in a, I don't know, derogatory way, but it's tough to be partially be in Nashville sometimes because the pop country is so much at the forefront. Yeah. And there's so much great, great music that's not getting as much attention, you know, and you get in the writing room and everybody wants to write a pop country hit to pitch to somebody and i'm like why did you call me yeah <laughs> i'm not your girl for that like yeah. if you want to write something sad give me a call i got you yeah it uh the pendulum i feel like is swinging and i'm very uh excited about that because of people like tyler childers who just absolutely. got a number one absolutely and you know we, who else uh chris stapleton and Marin morris and like the high women and all these people who are i'm super stoked to see what happens with the high women yeah i'm really excited for what that's going to become and i think that there's just so much great music and music lovers people that really are into music with some depth they're gonna go find it they're gonna seek it right. out people have always sought out that music what's on the radio you know i think it's changing i think country music and americana music it always goes in cycles totally and i think it's i can i think we can all feel it coming back around yeah and hopefully you know we're on the pulse of that hopefully we can be the ones to bring it around to the music that we like because that's what we want to go out and play i think that everyone just gets sick of of whatever is the mainstream thing and then it tends to go back to not necessarily what originally was but to just like i mean literally going back to the roots not to be punny but it's got to go i think music has always got to go forward right yeah so i think we take those pieces of nostalgia from it and we take those influences and we push it forward right you know as opposed to trying to throw it backwards i think it's always got to evolve forward and we have to let it be new and let it be fresh but i think there's so many great artists with unique songs and unique voices and interesting records that are made in like artistic ways and i'm yeah. excited to watch them all come out in the next year or two well and i feel like all the best albums that have happened in the last 50 plus years were not trying to be the best album they were just doing what they did authentically you know um, absolutely and, and to segue into that with your EP, uh, what what are some of the topics that you're uh, touching on on this EP? I've only heard the one. The first song. Yeah. Um, so $5 Pearls is the first one we wrote. Well, not for the EP, but it's the first one that I was like, yeah. okay, this is going to be, you know, towards me as an artist. Uh, we wrote a song called Feathers um, right before we went in to record. And it's just about, it kind of has like an Edgar Allan Poe vibe. Um, and it's, you know, like a wounded bird ballad sort of thing. Um, but it's really kind of dark and edgy, which I love. We wrote a song called After Midnight, which is very sweet. It's like a Midnight in Paris vibe. And Stuart Duncan and Jeff Taylor kind of went to town on this beautiful fiddle slash accordion Parisian vibe with that. So it's really Indeed. beautiful. But so we ended up titling the album After Midnight just because all of the songs are very... You know, it feels like something you would listen to on a snowy evening in January yeah. <laughs> with a glass of wine. We have a song called No Good Way, which is a breakup song. Uh, very sad. Yeah. Your uh, MO. Yes. I yeah. 
I'm for some reason so completely drawn to those those sad songs and and those stories. We have a song called "Missing You," which is about being apart from someone that you love. But my favorite song to talk about, which is goes into what we're talking about, is a song. It's a tune called Three Quarter Time," and it's kind of my Nashville story. And it's about loving traditional country music and loving the roots music and and sticking with that even though you're making no money. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, so that's my favorite tune to talk about, you know, and I think every artist at some point kind of has their, their Nashville story song. Yeah. That's mine. Um, and we got to do like the steel guitar and the twin fiddles. And oh. I'm really excited about that one. So we almost called the album three quarter time. <laughs> have you, uh, have you been to honky tonk Tuesday? I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. And my other favorite thing, and I was, I was out doing it last night. I like to go to the old honky tonks around Opryland. That's uh-huh. that's my go-to hangout. Nashville Palace. Nashville yeah. Palace, Music City Bar and Grill, sometimes scoreboards. There's a guy on Wednesday nights. I was there last night. Tom Buller. Have you heard him? No, I can't. The say man that. sounds exactly like Keith Whitley. <laughs> and I think he came up like playing strip clubs in Texas. Is that scoreboards? At Nashville Palace. Oh, okay. Every Nashville. Wednesday night. And I am obsessed with it's you know the whole band is like these old nashville cats like four-part harmonies and they are just shredding yeah old country it's so yeah. good my buddy uh nathan belt and the buckles he plays nice. i think every saturday night at uh the palace and um he was the first time uh i went to the palace was on my i think my 33rd birthday or something like that and uh he was playing there that night and uh, we were like super into it and then oh, yeah. we became good friends but uh He's great because he's like huge Elvis fan. So he's yeah. got like the kind of rockabilly vibe, yep. but it's still Absolutely. country. And he's got some of the best players in town with yeah. him. Music City Playboys are my other, those are my other favorites. Um, every Tuesday and Wednesday, they're at the Music City Bar and Grill. And okay. it's, you know, it's the old guys and, you know, their drummer used to play for Merle Haggard. And it's just, oh, yeah. it's lights out good. And I'm always like posting on Instagram all these videos of like me and these honky tonks listening to traditional country music. Yeah. Um, it's funny that there's it's so fringe now you know you, you got to go way out into you know it used to be right downtown yeah, when I, I well you probably remember this you know when I first started coming to town I was underage to be in the bars and I'd be like playing in the bars and they'd make me wait outside on the break if I ever took a break because I was underage but you could park right down on Broadway you could literally yeah. just park there and it was you know the music was very traditional and now it's kind of it's moved out to Opryland, but you can go find it and you can park, which is great. Yeah. You can park all over again. Yeah. I, I, I've only been here five years, so I, I actually don't remember that, but, um, I can imagine a time where, I mean, I read a, a thing about, uh, Willie Nelson when he was spending his time in Nashville, he would literally play a gig. And then one time he laid out in the road for like <laughs> half an hour without a car ever coming by. <laughs> Because it's just dead down there. So um, with the with the album coming out in yes. like October. March. Oh, March. So we're doing we're doing this single in August. We'll drop a second single around late October, and then we're gonna put the album out in March. Okay. So. And you're doing some touring behind it. Are you going back to yeah. Canada? Yeah. Well, kind of all over. So we're we're looking on a at a release tour for the spring and kind of doing a run down through Florida, another run up through Ohio and Chicago, and then up back through Canada and kind of coming back down. And right now just, 
I mean, I play in town quite a few nights a week just to pay my rent. Um, I'm headed up to Canada on Saturday, actually, to go do some TV tapings. And it's at Canadian Country Radio right now. Um, so I'm going up to do press and radio in Canada and then back down to Nashville to do to do the same here. Um, and then some Canadian tour dates and a couple release shows that I'm I'm just finalizing the uh, the details on probably a couple cool shows around Nashville. Um, just kind of go out and do a trio thing with like Dobro Mando and kind of start there and, and, and just kind of build it up over the next few months. Uh, I feel like I've been hibernating for a few years. Uh. I really, I really feel like I've been hibernating. So I'm just kind of rebuilding everything back up and then we'll hit it hard in the spring. So you said you, you're doing some stuff uh, here in Nashville, just kind of weekly. Where can people usually find you at? Well, I'm doing a lot of the, uh, a lot of the hotels uh, just okay. to pay my rent for now. Um, Hotel Indigo and True and all that. Yeah, all those kind of things. I, I look at it like a day job. Totally, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that I can, you know, play music right now. I, you know, I've done the waiting tables and I've done the yeah. cleaning houses and, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, anytime you can go out and, and do what you do for money is, is a good day. Totally. That's awesome. Um, well, I would love to hear a song from you. Absolutely. Um, which one would you like to play? Now, do you want me to play the single or something else? I want you to play what you want to play. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Cool. So this is a tune we were talking about earlier, uh, a song called Three Quarter Time. And it's just about, you know, making it in Nashville, but also sticking with the music that you love. You got to picture it with like the twin fiddles and the steel guitar, though. I don't fit in here And I don't bother trying This so-called new country It ain't walking the line Would anyone notice If they heard Patsy Cline Singing old sad songs In three-quarter time Cause play This hard man They pay me in whiskey But I ain't made a dime From singing old sad songs In three-quarter time They called me a star They told me to sign They said to get ready for a hell of a ride They gave me their songs and a piece of me died Cause I was born to sing sad songs in three quarter time And they called me crazy, said I'm out of my but ballads and bar stools have this heart of mine. They pay me in whiskey, but I ain't made a dime from singing old sad songs in three quarter time. 
I can't help looking ahead to the time when we go back to twin fiddles and the steel guitar cry. But I sit with my whiskey, wondering why nobody sings sad songs in three quarter time. Ballads and bar stools have this heart of mine. They pay me in whiskey, but I ain't made a dime from singing old sad songs in three quarter time. Well, I'm just singing old sad songs in three well thanks Callie for coming in and uh, doing this episode um, you're hearing in the background right now her first single $5 Pearls and uh, if you haven't yet go check out her new single Feathers it's on Apple Music iTunes, Spotify, all the streaming platforms um, and make sure you uh, like and follow her. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Harrison, if you'd like to contribute and hear more behind-the-scenes content. Maybe you'll get some uh, funny interviews that uh, didn't get to be aired um, because of time constraints. I guess you don't really have time constraints so much with podcasts. As I just like to keep this uh, bad boy under an hour. But if you want more content, if you want to hear uh, more songs, see more videos, then uh, go uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Harrison, as well as uh, like us on Facebook and all that jazz. And um, make sure you rate us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. We'll have Mercy Bell up next, which uh, should be a couple of weeks. I'll be uh, putting that bad boy up uh, and check out her album in the meantime so you'll, you'll be able to hear some um, uh, some of the stuff that we're talking about on the podcast uh, it's available for streaming as well thanks so much for your support and uh, we'll see you next time on Americana Station I'm Will Payne Harrison <laughs>